You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Are you happy? Are you happy? You know, I want to ask you that question. It's a really simple one, but I want you to really think about it. I don't, you don't, don't say out loud whether, you know, whatever your answer is. You don't, you don't need to do that, but really think about it because I want you to answer truthfully in your head. Are you happy? You know, I, a couple months ago, I was meeting up with my friend, and he's a pastor at a church around here. He's been pastoring a lot longer than I have, but um, I was telling him about kind of my life and about Shining Star, and just all of a sudden, he just asked me, he said, Danny, are you happy? And that, like, that shocked me. That really, that took me back. Number one, because I, I don't remember the last time someone asked me that but also because it was just such a strange question, right? Whoever asked you, are you happy? And, and that's kind of the question that I'd like to ask you today. Are you happy? Are you happy in your job? Are you happy in your workplace? Are you happy with your family? Are you happy at church? You know, we're in the book of Philippians right now, And the theme of the series is called His Glory, Our Joy. And for us, we're going to try to unpack that. And we're going to look into that. But before we even step uh, one step into this passage, I want you to really think about this question. Are you happy? Are you happy? You know, when I finished college, um, all of my friends, almost all of my friends had begun working. Uh, they had either started working in, in different jobs or they were going to grad school for something or, the, or something or whatever. But um, for me, I was completely lost. I was in Korea, a country I didn't want to be in. I was teaching English, something I didn't want to do. I was by myself, completely alone. And for all of that, for the most part, I could handle it. For the most part, I could endure. That was fine. But what really got to me What was the most difficult for me was when I went on Facebook or when I would talk to my other friends and I would see how their lives were progressing. And for me, I felt so stuck. I felt like their lives were going on regular play, but mine was paused. But what's strange is that fast forward a couple years later, and for me, I had finished my degree in seminary. I was about to start my other degree in public policy, and I thought everything was exactly the way that it should be. I had a vision, I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I was set. I was ready to go. I was, I was so pumped up for that, and yet I still felt that dissatisfaction. And yet I was still somewhat unhappy. It was the strangest feeling. And what I had to realize was that God was trying to teach me something in those two stages of my life. Because he was trying to teach my heart something. That in the beginning, he took away everything. He took away all of my ambitions. He took away all the things I held dear. 
And yet only a few years later, he gave me everything that I wanted. He gave me all of the desires of my heart. And yet in both those situations, I was not satisfied. I was unhappy. And what I kept hearing God say every single time throughout all of those years, he said, Danny, am I not enough? Danny, am, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you? Look, church, what are you going through today? I think a lot of us are, are burnt out. A lot of us are tired. Not only with our jobs, not only with maybe our children and our family, not only with our spouses, with our schools, but even at church. And I know that it can get so difficult even waking up in the morning and starting everything again because for a lot of you guys, I can see that tiredness in your eyes. I can hear the tiredness in your voice. And even in the year 2018, it may have been so difficult for you. And even in the start of 2019, maybe it's been just as difficult. But there's one question I want to ask you. And it's the same question that Paul is asking here. Are you happy? Because what Paul is going to argue is that your happiness and your joy is not based on how successful your life is or how difficult your life has been. It's based on the understanding that God is enough for you. And if you're able to hold on to that and grab onto that, then you're able to endure in any circumstance. And you're able to answer this question because I know that for a lot of us, we're not able to answer, are you happy? You know, Paul, in this passage here, he says that for the most part, he achieved almost everything in this world. In verse 5, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, what he's saying is that, look, there's other people who later in their lives got circumcised. Look, there's other people later in their lives that converted to Judaism. But for me, I was born into it. For me, I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. For me, there was no Hellenization. There was no anything like that. I was a Hebrew from the very beginning. I was born into this royalty here. I can trace my family line back to the very beginning. I am from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the original 12. I'm not like the others. He was a Pharisee. He was taught by the very best scholars. He was a leader, charismatic and aggressive. He says, I was righteous under the law. And Paul, he talks about all of his accomplishments. And he says, this is how I thought that I could earn the approval and the love of God. I thought my righteousness would bring me to heaven. But he realizes something important here. He says, I thought my righteousness would come from the law, but now I realize my righteousness comes from Christ. This word righteousness is important because it's much bigger than we think. When I say the word righteousness, immediately we think of what? Maybe doing something good, making sure you don't do something bad. But what Paul is saying is that our righteousness is absolutely linked with our identity. That these two things are the same. He said, I had confidence in the flesh. I achieved all of these things 
because the things on your resume, the things that you have achieved, your accomplishments, those things are what bring you value. Your righteousness is what makes you valuable. It's what allows people to accept you. Think about it. When you try to go into college, what are they basing everything on? It's your resume. It's how well you did. It's what you accomplished. When you are trying to apply for a job, what do you send in? You send in your resume. All of your accomplishments, all of these things, all of these things that you have tried to do in your life. And yet, it doesn't just stop in those two things. How many of us, before the first day of school, before the first day of work, we lay out our clothes beforehand, right? The, day, the night before, we get excited. A lot of us can't sleep, right? Well, that was, I, I couldn't sleep before school sometimes, <laughs> the first day of school. Or what if maybe with work, when you are going to a new job for the first time, you want to make sure that you look nice. Why? Because you know that for the first time, when people come and see you, these strangers, that they will be judging you based on what you look like, judging you based on what you can bring to the table. And not only that, think about relationships, especially today in our online culture. What do you do? You set up an entire profile. You put your picture up. You put your name. You put your age. You put your college and all the things that you've done. And you know what they do? They either accept you or they reject you. But what the Bible says, and this is part, this is interesting. What the Bible says is that our righteousness is not only the way other people will view us, but our righteousness is how we view ourselves. And just like how colleges and people will say that we're not good enough, we can look at ourselves, look at our failures and our successes, and say that we're not good enough either. Our righteousness is our identity. Because we're all trying to live for something. And I think for me as, as a young pastor, as someone who hasn't pastored for a very long time, this has been so much more evident in my life. Because I know that for 2018, I think one word that we could characterize or one word that we can place upon Shining Star for at least our, our ministry is the word change. There's been, there's been a lot of change in the year 2018. And for me as a pastor, as I have been able to see all of this great change that God has brought, all these new people, all these new systems and new things that God has done, at the same time, he has shifted a lot of my own preconceptions. He has shifted a lot of some of our old members who have been here for a long time and has shifted them. And for me, during those times, it's been even difficult for me to really sleep at night. I've been worried and I've been nervous and these questions would come into my mind over and over again, saying, man, am I not good enough? Are my sermons not good enough? Am I not engaging enough? Is something wrong with how I pastor? Is something wrong with how I lead? Is something wrong with how I serve? Am I simply not enough? And, and slowly, little by little, I began to realize that the success of this church was my righteousness. That if I'm not successful as a pastor, then I'm going to reject myself. That I'm not good enough. For us, we all have something 
something that if it doesn't go well, then we begin to blame ourselves. And we use that thing to not only show other people that we're worthy, but to show ourselves that we are good. And so we either reject or we accept ourselves based on that thing. Because here's what Paul is saying. Being a Christian is not how much or how little you sin. The thing that made him a Christian was how he viewed his righteousness. And this is something that we get mixed up so often. Now, I'm going to say this one more time. Being a Christian is not how much or how little you sin. The thing that made Paul a Christian was how he viewed his righteousness. That's why he says in verse 8, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. How do you view your successes? How do you view your accomplishments? How do you view your resume? Paul says that when he became a Christian, the way he looked at himself completely and utterly changed. For you, church, are you happy? Because there's only two choices we can make when it comes to salvation. It can either be self-salvation or Christ-salvation. And if your accomplishments are your identity, then you will fall with every single thing that happens in your life. Because as great as your accomplishments are, they will fade. As good as your resume is, it's only a piece of paper. And as great as your achievements are, there's always someone who did better than you. And so for you, if you base yourself on what you have achieved, then your life will fall apart. If it has not fallen apart already, it will fall apart. And so that's why being a Christian, it doesn't mean, oh, I've been bad, so now I have to be good. Being a Christian means, you know what, I thought that I was good, but actually I'm bad. Are you willing to give up everything to God? Because I think for a lot of us, it's, it's easier to admit that we're sinful. It's easier to admit that we have a lot of bad stuff in our hearts. It's easier to admit those things. But it's much harder to look at all the good things that you have done. To look at all the good things that you have accomplished and realize that those things are meaningless without God. And this is the problem that Paul lays out. Because it's our accomplishments and our righteousness that become our identity, and those things begin to define us. And we go up and down because those things, they can never sustain us. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to ever do anything in life? Because of course we base our identity on these things, so what is our next move? And in verse 9, Paul says it. He says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God. If you are a Christian, then your righteousness doesn't come from yourself. It comes from God. And the focus of that sentence is in the beginning. It's to be found in him. Because when you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your savior, then when God looks at you, he sees Jesus Christ in you. 
when you put your Savior as your accomplishments, then you're asking God to judge you based on those things. And you know what? He will do what you ask. And your accomplishments will always fall short of heaven. Your accomplishments will always never be enough. But Paul, he says that we're not supposed to base our identity on these things. I am able to stand here before you. I'm able to smile and be thankful, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done in my life. God is proud of me, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done in me. Is that what you're able to say? When you understand that your righteousness is under, under Jesus, when it's found in Jesus, there's something protective about that. I said before that your failures don't define you, that your past doesn't define you, that your mistakes don't define you. But I want to add one other thing to that. Your success also doesn't define you. Your accomplishments don't define you. Your achievements don't hold weight in front of God. Because either way, whether you base your life on your successes or your failures, you will fall short of God. But when you understand that God, he looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ, then you are able to not only endure, but to thrive. And so church, this is how I'm going to end it. Are you happy? You're going through some difficult times, and you may go through even more difficult times. But the next time you feel truly discouraged, the next time you feel upset or disappointed, man, I, I don't want you to pray, God, please change my circumstances. I hope that you can pray, God, I pray that you would change my righteousness. Because right now, look at what your priority is. Look at what your priority is and see what you've been disappointed in. Look at what is most important in your life, and you'll see why you're constantly up and down. The reason why you're upset over something is because that something is your first priority. So demote it. Your career is not your first priority. Your school is not your first priority. Your family is not your first priority. God must become first in order for you to be truly happy. And that is what Paul has been pushing. And that is what Paul is constantly saying through the entire book of Philippians. Can you guys see that from his life? He has said, I have achieved everything that there is to achieve here. I have been respected among the most respected. I have I've done everything here. And yet I am not satisfied in that. And yet now I am in jail. I am here in the worst places. And yet, you know what? I am still okay. I am still fine in that because I have found my joy. And my joy does not change with the circumstances around me. Whether good or bad, whether success or failure, I am good. I am happy. So church, are you happy? Why are you worried? Why are you stressed? Why are you nervous? Look, it's okay to be sad and frustrated. God, he's never, he has never said that you should be a stoic. He has never said that you shouldn't show emotion. Of course, yes. When bad situations happen, yes. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. 
But there's a difference between stumbling and falling. There's a difference between being knocked down and being destroyed. What is your righteousness? And when you understand this, you will no longer be moved by the winds and the waves of your circumstances. You'll begin to change the circumstances around you. And this is what I've had to realize as time has gone by too. Because for almost 99% of us, when you think about when bad situations happen, what do they do? What do people usually do? They go up and down. They get sad, they get happy. They constantly are one, one spectrum to the other. And yet, what happens when you see that person who stays constant? That even when they experience the worst thing possible, even when they lose a family member, even when they lose a daughter, even when they lose someone, even when something terrible happens, they are still able to have that change. You are able to. God has given us the tools. Paul is telling you the secret here. So hold on to that. And when you hold on to that, then no matter what happens, no matter what winds or waves come about, you will stand firm and people will see you and they will change because of what God has done in your life. There's this movie quote that I love, and it's something that I've always thought about. I've watched it a long time ago. It says, no matter how the wind howls, the mountain cannot bow before it. Look, we're not a mountain, but we serve a God who is. Our God is so absolutely powerful. He is a God who has not bowed down to anybody. He is from the beginning to the very end. He has controlled the winds and the waves. He has sent down fire from heaven. He has even defied death and defeated it. And that God is the same God who is in you today. And so why aren't you able to stand before anything? Why aren't we able to stand in the midst of all things and have joy? God has given us that power. God has given us that ability. So take it and hold it. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., he was in jail um, after protesting, and he wrote this really famous letter. And I, I just I love that um, kind of parallel with, with Paul, too, in that way. But he wrote this letter. It's called A Letter from Birmingham Jail. And in it, he says this one thing. I want to read this to you. There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed society. So which are you? And lastly, are you happy? Let's pray. That word has been in my heart now for a long time. Are you happy? Danny, are you happy? Are you happy? 
And in my success and in my failure, I had to realize that, man, God is just simply asking me a deeper question than that, saying, Danny, am I not enough for you? And right now for you, I want you to really pray and seek the Lord. Because he is saying the same word to you. He is asking you, are you happy? And look, this doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on what you, have gone, what you are going through right now, whether that is good or bad. He is asking, am I enough for you? Because your life will change. It will become great one day. It will become bad the next. But our God is constant, and he will not change. And so for you, let me ask you, are you happy? So for you right now, let's just take a few minutes and really ask ourselves that question and answer it truthfully. Because all of us have something that we're holding on to. If God is not our righteousness, if he is not who we desire, who we put as our first priority, then something else will be there. What is it? What is it? If there is something in your life that is first priority over God, demote it. So look into your life right now. Look at what you're going through and pray. Pray.